Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Louis D'Souza, and this is your Daily Dose of Happy. We're so happy you decided to join us today. And just before we got started here, I was thinking, what, what should we do for a topic? And it, it occurred to me, we kind of created a topic without realizing it, Louis, because we had a little technical difficulty we were trying to iron out there. And what reminded me about that is so often in life, when we run into stuff, when we run into barriers or blocks or things that aren't working properly, we're faced with a conundrum that most of us don't think about. And actually, when we've worked on ourselves for a while, we still don't think about it, but we've, we've done the work so that we think about it differently. And that is, we don't go at it in this vibration that you and I are in, feeling, oh God, this thing's not working properly and I'm so frustrated by it. But that's the way most people go into a problem like that. And it's a really big difference. So I figured, I'm not sure exactly how to label that as a topic, but that seems like an important topic. So I figured that's We did very well, didn't we, with our little technical issues? We did, yeah. We it, did. It was, it was ourselves on the back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got solved in about two minutes, you know, and, and the technical issue was I couldn't hear you. <laughs> Your mic wasn't working <laughs> properly. You didn't have the right one plugged in. You didn't know where the plug was for the right one, the right combination and so forth. I mean, that could have easily like, spiraled, you know, Absolutely. into a negative spiral. Yep. Yep. But in the old days, it would have. In the old days, right. <laughs> <laughs> So let's pretend that, I mean, most of our listeners are, are pretty advanced conscious creators, but let's pretend that we're also talking to some listeners, and we may actually be, who are perhaps early on in the journey and have, you know, they may have picked up some skills along the way, but they're still learning it. That's somebody who might want to learn more about, well, how do you get in that place? How do you, how do you make a job go easier when it feels like the world's working against you? So what are your initial thoughts? What, what's the best way to go about that? Well, as most philosophers would say, well, uh, get your philosophy right first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all the different uh, groups of people out there will say do their thing first. But um, I, I kind of agree with the philosophy. Once you get the philosophy right, once you understand the rules to the game of life um, and, and massage them and really work them and understand them, then every obstacle in your life becomes easier. Not just because you've worked on the subject, that one becomes easier with this subject. When you get the philosophy right, all problems become easier because the solution is a philosophical one, which means it's based on a principle that covers all scenarios. <clears throat> so, and it's again, you know, whenever somebody says, I'm really stuck with this, we're stuck with that. I really want to encourage them, please get to understand the law of attraction, get to understand the different implications, get to understand um, every subject's two subjects, get to understand your emotions, your guidance system. Um, and that together I would put over as a philosophy. It's not just the law of attraction, but it's kind of like a, a philosophy of, of how to live your life and how to deal with problems like this. So, to make it easier for yourself. And, you know, the, the biggest advantage I've seen with anybody that I've taught over the years is once they get a solid grounding in it, they're off. They don't need me anymore. They don't need the podcast anymore. They don't need uh, anything anymore. They're now running and living it. And, you know, they're, they're not looking back. And, you know, you become empowered so that you can go forward and, and do your stuff. And, it takes a little while, you know, but I, I remember <clears throat> I talked about this before, but my wife said to me one day, Louis, I want you to teach me about the law of attraction. And I sat down. I remember sitting in one of the supermarket cafes and uh, we were chatting uh, and we were having this great discussion and she was really getting all the bits and pieces. And it took three days of sitting and chatting and sitting and chatting. And then she got it and then she ran off and just started teaching other people, you know. And she's been doing that for years and years and years. Now, only time she comes, comes back to me is when there's a specific situation which she wants you to, which she can't massage with her understanding that easily into how to use the LOA for that. And, you know, usually when I, when I break it down for her, it's based on one principle. She's got too emotionally and involved, involved with the whole thing that they can't step back a little bit and see the pieces for where they lie. And, of course, we often use other people for that, you know. 
mirroring us so that because you can see my obstacles often better than I can see them because I'm so stuck in them. So right, right. You know, it, it's a it's it's really a good principle to ask somebody else. And you know the LOA community is huge. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot getting... of people with a lot of knowledge out there. Yeah, and we're ready to help. Them. So you know, use use us. So we would we'd love to help. You know, all of us. Which is a reminder, I, I should uh, get the promotional message in at this point because it's a perfect segue. Uh, that's one of the great values of having the LOA Today app installed on your phone because it has the built-in form for sending in a question to Louis. Or send to, Louis a question. Send please. Louis a question. He loves questions. He'll, he'll take your question and spend 20 minutes on it. I mean, you'll get a lot of attention out of your, your question, I promise you. <laughs> or to Cindy or to Linda or Rita or anybody else who's a uh, – uh, co-host on the podcast, Amy, when she gets back, she'll be back in November. You know, so take advantage of that. Um, cause yeah, it's, it's important to ask for help and it's a good thing to ask for help because among other things, it means you're open to be helped. No one can help you if you're not open to be helped. It's one of those mm-hmm. odd things, you know, people kind of take for granted that, uh, well, yeah, you know, sure. I'm open for being helped, but are they really, you know, so often, mm-hmm. you know, it, it becomes very easy to just kind of say, I got the answers. I got this. I got this. Yeah. I'm struggling, yeah, but I, I got this. I got this. And you no, know, okay. Yeah. I just fell off a cliff, but I got this, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just got to ask for help. It's okay. Um, but you used an interesting phrase. You said you massage it. I love the phrase. Let's talk about some of the yeah. ways that you can massage it. Because massaging it, well, first of all, it's a great, it has like a great, whoops, a great image to it. But <laughs> Are you massaging your microphone? Bye, see you later. <laughs> but, uh, let's talk about massaging. What are some of the ways that you like to massage um, for, when you're helping somebody else? We'll go, go at that first and then maybe uh, talk about different ways to massage our own stuff. Well, you know, Walt, I was saying I wanted to go to the London Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park. Right. I remember that. <clears throat> so I went on Sunday. You did? Oh, okay. I did. How'd that go? And uh, I bumped into a lot of interesting guys, but I would call myself rather a fringe speaker rather than a, in the middle of it. Because, as I said, if you want to understand Speaker's Corner, it's m- mostly Muslim versus Christianity. Awesome. That's the biggie there. Okay. So um, I went there early and I, I was chatting to some guys and one of them was really intellectual. And he said, I said to him, you know, I've got my own philosophy. And he said, okay, what's that? So I broke it down for him. And then he started, you know, saying that this part is like that, you know, it comes from kind of that philosopher and this one's that. And, you know, he could really massage and put in all different types of uh, spins on it, mm-hmm. which, which I found very useful. Good. But because I kept on asking him, okay, what does that mean? And what does that mean? He didn't, he wasn't that keen to talk for too long because <laughs> it was like my, my, my basis or my foundation wasn't high enough for where he was at. <laughs> but he did say he learned quite a few new things from me, which he probably doesn't get that often in, in that group, um, which I appreciated. So then I found somebody else and we sat down and we pretty much talked for two hours solid. Nice. A 23-year-old Rastafarian-looking individual who was amazing. Um, we had a, a long chat, but basically what we're doing with him was I was massaging his philosophy. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I was getting him to take points and then step back and look at it from this way and look at it from that way. And then we were taking it this way and that way. And he, the, he's, he's been there often, so he's an intellectual. Okay. So it was easier for me to to deal with somebody who's also fairly far on and understands a lot of things already so that you can really talk on a certain level. Um, and he could grasp a huge amount of the concepts. He understood the, uh, although he didn't always agree. Okay. And mm-hmm. every time he said, you know, I'm not quite sure I'm, the, I, 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 I'm, um, uh, what's the word believing that, um, I'm not quite fully on board with that. And the, and the thing that I'd always say to him is fantastic. That's great. Yeah, yeah sure. And, you know, I, I appreciate it more, as I said to him, when people don't agree with me than when they do, because that means they're thinking about it. They understand where they're coming from and they can maybe come back with, a, with a, an appropriate argument for the whole, the whole scenario. And then out of that discussion can come greater and greater clarity. But if you, if, 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 if you and Walt are both on the same page, what can we learn? Yeah. We can't learn much from each other at all. There's no contrast. Exactly. So you you start, you know, you start explaining to people the importance of people disagreeing with you, of not 
liking where you're coming from of, you know, um, and then you build up. Somebody said to me in the sauna the other day, and I love this. This is a very important point is he said to me, I said to him, what, what is your belief structure then? Because uh, I'd given him mine. And, and he said, well, you know, I explained it to somebody once, and he was a scientist, and he just tore it to pieces, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to say. So I said to him, you know what that tells me? It tells me you're not confident in your own belief yet. And he was looking at me, and he was like, hmm, yeah, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I said to him, you know, I'd be happy if you try to tear mine to pieces. It could give me more joy than anything else. <laughs> I don't need you to agree with me. If I if I need you to agree with me for me to feel happy, I've really lost the plot so thoroughly that I'm you know not there. <clears throat> it's just total point. total waste of time. So you yeah. know, once you get on board with the fact that. Um, I'm not out there to convince anybody of anything. I'm there to throw out ideas, and if somebody picks up one of the bones and chews on it, that's great. But if they want to leave them on the ground, that's also absolutely perfect. So, you know, you become bulletproof because you're not trying to do anything. Yeah. If you're not trying to do anything, you can't fail. (laughs) It's kind of hard to take something away from you when you don't feel like anything can be taken away from you. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's great when somebody does throw me a curveball because I really chew over it. I really enjoy it. You know, it's yeah, like, sure. wow, that's good. You know, so much enjoy that. And if people were like that, they would become resilient. They'd be able to take racist comments. They'd be able to take political different viewpoints with ease. And what I've noticed with the guys that go to the speaker's corner world, it's fascinating. They're resilient. Mm. I was having some tough conversations and I put my viewpoint out and I didn't care where it lands. It was a very clear, succinct viewpoint and it was completely opposite to the different belief structures there. Uh-huh. And um, I let, I let the, the pieces fall where they may, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't mind because you're confident in your own belief structure. You're confident in your philosophy. You're confident in, in what you have to offer and you're confident that you don't need to convince anybody of anything. Um, so w- when you're talking about massaging, it's, it's really about getting somebody who is open enough. Otherwise you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. As you say, you need to ask. Yeah. You need to ask. You, you, you throw out certain ideas and of course, then they start grabbing some of them, using some of them and they're going to do it uniquely to their past. Right. To work to to the philosophy that they have gained up to that point, what they believe is right or wrong. Exactly. They're going to work from that point, not where you are, not where anybody else is. They're gonna they're gonna be very specifically on that place where they're at. And when when you do that, you start having a lot of fun because you know this guy. I was sitting there for many hours. He was laughing and laughing and laughing. We were having so much fun together. <laughs> it wasn't a deep philosophical conversation like I would have some other people have had with me in my past where somebody's giving me a crumb um, when I hadn't had any crumbs given to me at all. And I was really all wound up and all the rest of it. Right. You know, you learn, actually, I think the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy taught me that. It's fascinating. (laughs) It taught me to laugh about this whole idea about life, the universe and everything, you know, the, the way planet earth is designed to, to conquer the ultimate question to what life, the universe and everything, and we're the rats and running around. And, you know, it's just, just the whole concept. You just, you just sit there and you laugh and you laugh and you laugh. And there's a lot of truth to that. Well, it's brilliant Action. because it, it just kind of, it, it knocks all of the old uh, assumptions off the bandwagon. And now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're faced with this thing that's, it's ludicrous, but it's fun. <laughs> you know, the way I, I describe the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I, it's the best rubbish you'll ever read. Yes, I remember you said that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is simply, simply an incredible book for anybody who is finding the philosophical world very serious. Yes. It's a great way to, so, to release. For those few individuals like myself when you're young and all the rest of it, and you, you're finding this whole raison d'etre, reason for living concept, you know, what is it all about? How does it work? Where am I going? And you're taking it incredibly seriously. Read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That'll massage you into a much better place. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I mean, uh, 
everybody has a philosophy. Some people are say, I don't care about philosophy. It's not interesting to me. And that is a philosophy. It is. <laughs> it really is. It always, yes. it always amuses me. <laughs> it's annoying, actually, to realize that you have a philosophy even when you don't want to have a philosophy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then the clarity comes because you're now, you're now trying to understand if I play this game with greater awareness, can I have a better game? Can I play it with some more fun, with some more enthusiasm, with more passion? Can I? It's funny, too. Because or should I go get some more drugs? <laughs> well, well, always a possibility, yeah. That, we can't rule that one out. I, I ruled that one out 40 years ago, but I won't speak for anyone else, you know. Um, but interesting, uh, your story about your experience. And, by the way, congratulations on taking that first step. I mean, that's pretty cool because you've been talking about it for a while. You actually did it. You went to the speaker's corner. That's wonderful. Well, it's, 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 the only reason I didn't go before was simply the weather was really crappy. It was crappy. I wasn't going to stand in the rain and chat philosophy. <laughs> You're a fair weather speaker. That, that's fair enough. <laughs> but uh, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of it, it kind of clarified in a sense why it is that I'm doing something similar. We, not a speaker's corner, but I've been engaging in political groups on Facebook. And mm -hmm. I have two reasons for doing that. One is I've been trying to let go of my own interest in politics, and I've almost completely not done it. There's, like, little pieces of it that I haven't let go of yet, so I'm, I'm kind of working on that, and I figure this is a good way to do it. And then secondly, I'm knowingly going into a group where none of the people are going to have any affinity at all for what I'm talking about. So it's a challenge. Can I be true to myself, be true to my beliefs, Mm -hmm. and engage in conversation in a way that doesn't turn into a fight. Because if I can do that, I'm really learning a lot about myself. I'm learning a lot about them. I'm learning a whole bunch of stuff, and it's really, really useful. That's, yeah. that, that's fascinating, well, because that's what every philosopher has pretty much done, has yeah. thrown out to society concepts that are not in agreement with what society is generally and getting them to look at things from a very different viewpoint and some people have loved them for that, and some people have killed them for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. Well, one Many of the of first things I've learned... The, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Many of them have died at the, at, at the hands of those who have found what they said disagreeable. Many oh, yes. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, one of the things that I've loved about it has been that I... One of the things I've learned, I just want to need to say, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that if I can use terminology that I would not normally use to describe what it is that I'm saying, then I don't give them, quote, code words, unquote, to react to. And without the Absolutely. code words, they'll actually listen to the concept. Mm -hmm. The moment that I throw a code word in, that's where I've lost them. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, you're one of those, you're one of those woo-woo people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But if I so down, when I was down yeah. at Speaker's Corner, I was doing <clears throat> pretty much precisely what you were saying. I was, yeah. um, I was using the word like source. I'm like, what source? What are you talking about source? <laughs> so that's my word for the non-physical. And I didn't even say God. You know, you kind of, right. <laughs> you, you kind of remove that from the table as well. Oh, right. non-physical. So what I'm talking about is before I came into the physical body, I was not physical. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so God, no, not physical. Not physical, <laughs> <That's> yeah. <source. laughs> and it's done very specifically because there's so much baggage to the word God, love. Oh, yeah. And truth, truth as well. There's a lot of baggage to it. Oof. Yeah. And I was trying to explain, and I was... I wasn't hugely successful, to be honest. The the idea that, you know, what's true for me is not true for you. Yeah, that'll throw a lot I, was, of I was speaking to a strong Christian, and I was saying to him, what would happen if you were born in a Muslim family? What religion do you think you'd be now? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that'll score points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> trying to think who was it was it was it herod or no it wasn't herod one of the biblical kings washed his hands and said what is truth and and that's pretty much what 
I think of whenever I think of somebody saying, yes, but this is true. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. There's one it's, truth. It's, yeah. What's yeah. That? Right. <laughs> the law of attraction is universal. Oh, I guess that's not it. Huh? <laughs> well, if you remove the physical universe, then the law of attraction has no necessity anymore. And we come from the non-physical. So, yeah, it's not necessarily a stable universal truth. It is while the physical universe is around. That's an interesting point and an interesting question, one that I raised with the stream, the stream of David on mm -hmm. a Tuesday, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, because I asked him, does the law of attraction apply outside of our physical universal realm? Mm -hmm. And the answer was a qualified yes. That was about as far as I got with it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So in the beliefs that I follow at one stage, they believe that there is the physical, astral, causal, mental, etheric. Okay. And after the etheric is the soul plane. That's the words they use. Mm -hmm. And in the soul plane, so all the way up to the etheric, mental and etheric, that is still within the cause and effect. They're still within um, the law of attraction. Still applies within those... But once you hit that higher plane, there is no matter, energy, space, or time. Consequently, no law of attraction. Hmm. Well, so if, now that we know what there is and what is there. Sorry? Well, you well that's the whole point. There. It's, uh, so, so now that we know there's, what's there's out a, there. <laughs> there's a lot of nothing there. Well, <laughs> a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> So what is perceived to be there is love, and love is nothing without power. Okay. So where does the power come from? Hey, that's the, that's philosoph the philosopher's endless thing. If you say this is the ultimate God, uh, who made him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the ultimate call? You can't go there. The way Abram puts it, and it's the clearest way that I've ever seen. It's so far in the past that nobody has any idea. <laughs> and that is the one thing that somebody has said that actually makes a little bit of sense to me. <laughs> it kind of and reminds the past me. past is irrelevant to them because there is no past there. So it's like so far in the not now. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't even know how to put it. Um, but I'm speaking very, very abstract concepts. Yeah. So some listeners, you may be appreciating this. There's some that probably. <laughs> well, well, it reminds me of, of the Carl Sagan novel, Contact, which was turned into a movie. And one of the themes in that was, uh, for those who saw the movie, I'll, I'll tell from that point of view, because that's probably where, if you know about it at all, you know about it from the movie. Jodie Foster plays the main protagonist, and she ends up basically taking a mind trip using a machine that was designed to specifications sent to scientists on Earth from a distant uh, star. And what the machine does is it basically takes you through a mental trip, like a like an out-of-body experience type trip, to another planet where you can have a conversation with an extraterrestrial being that is one of the beings that sent you the instructions on how to do this. And cool. the question she she's a scientist. One one of the first questions she asks is, "Well, did you make the machine?" And the answer is, "The machine's been around for as long as anyone knows. <laughs> it's always been around. No one knows who created. No one knows how it was how it got here. It's always been here. <laughs> this is the way it's been done for millennia." <laughs> it sounds very much like a response. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, very very yeah. similar. <laughs> and it also was interesting in that it was a it was written by a scientist because Carl Sagan was a physicist. I believe he was also mm -hmm. an astrophysicist. And he was writing what was essentially a spiritual narrative mm -hmm. from a scientific point of view, which was pretty cool. I remember that particularly at the time that I think it was the first time I'd ever heard a scientist write about something non-scientifically. Mm -hmm. And it, it had a great deal of science in it, but it also had spiritual speculation in it as well.
I appreciate that. It was fun. It was like, oh, wow. Yeah, they're actually, scientists actually do have a life. How about that? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was quite interesting. I was uh, listening to a discussion about the humans get so enamored with, <laughs> so enamored with the physical, the physical body. Mm-hmm. We're obsessed with it. Um, you know, a boy would be playing with girls at the age of 10, 11, 12, no problem. And then suddenly there's some bumps that appear and they fall apart. And there's like this huge focus on, on, on these areas. And, um, and you know, one really needs to kind of break out of it after about 20, 21, 22, we, we need to start getting back to a more, spiritual and respectful and looking at the source part of an, uh, an individual rather than the body anymore. But you look at all the models, the magazines, you know, everybody's got to look like Barbie dolls and, <laughs> and Ken's. And, uh, and, well, that's what and, I did and wrong. We I just, was trying to look like a Barbie doll. No wonder it didn't work. <laughs> and, and then they were brought in the idea of masculine and feminine. And it was fascinating because – um, the person was saying that, you know, shouldn't, isn't the feminine side, you know, the, the kind and gentle and intuitive side, you know, so important. And he said, no, no, you're getting a bit mixed up here. You're, you're now applying the feminine to a female. But you get males that are more feminine than females. You get females that are more masculine than males. So you start understanding the difference between male and female and masculinity and femininity. And it was an idea that was brand new to me because I hadn't really thought about that aspect at all. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I hadn't digested that aspect. Um, and then you kind of makes more sense about gays, et cetera, or, or people that are more masculine as a, as a girl who, are attracted to other girls and guys who are very, very feminine who are attracted to other guys and can have relationships with them. And then you, you're playing with, with the masculinity and femininity dynamic rather than um, I'm a male or female dynamic. Um, you're, you're kind of creating um, your relationship based more on masculinity and femininity. And I'd never thought about these concepts at all. And it was just like, wow, I thought I'd, I'd bring that up today as something that other people can can toss around in their mind and think about. And, uh, but ultimately, uh, what I've learned is that I don't <clears throat> associate very much, as I've mentioned to you before, Walt, that I'm a male at all. And I just see people as people. I totally agree. In fact, I actually did give quite a bit of consideration and thought to the concepts of masculinity and femininity during those years that you were talking about, like 11 to yeah, 12 yeah. up to the early 20s, because the whole thing completely confused me. And the best out Are you talking about male or female or masculinity or femininity? Masculinity and femininity. Okay. And what I ended up deciding was, well, I can identify masculinity or femininity by examples that have been presented to me. I, I can kind of group and say, okay, I recognize that as what society calls masculine. I can rep- recognize this as something that society calls feminine. And that's as far as I was ever able to take it. In other words, mm-hmm. I can identify by example by comparing to what I know other people have said about it. For myself, mm-hmm. I still can't say that I know what masculine is, and I still can't say what feminine is. I don't have a clear idea of it in my mind, which is – Probably bizarre from most people's perspective, but you need like, to take some t- 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 testosterone, <laughs> testosterone, <laughs> testosterone, <laughs> that stuff. First, I can learn to pronounce it, and then I can actually take some of it. Exactly. I'll, take, I'll throw some estrogen in as well. But uh, but but there was a there was another comment to this whole masculinity and femininity, which was quite interesting. Is is once a human balances the masculine and feminine within themselves then there are more at peace. And I can see that. Mm. I can definitely see that. Once again, seeing by example, again, in terms of trying to take this internally 
and say to myself, well, this is my masculine side, my feminine side. Even if I'm talking about that, I always have to make reference to what does society mean by masculine? What does society mean by feminine? If I try to do it any other way, I have no idea. I don't have mm. a clue whether I'm masculine, feminine, hybrid, you know, mongoloid. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. I, I, just, I don't know. I, when you said, I don't think of myself as masculine or feminine, my inner being said, yeah, yeah, yeah that's me. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's not that I don't think of myself as masculine or feminine. I don't think of myself as male. And I know that I have a strong masculine and feminine side in me. Okay. So, so, so what can you describe to me what masculine and feminine mean to you for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good question. So masculinity with me would be more the, um, get out there, go do it, you know, um, goal orientated where my feminine side is more relaxed, intuitive, can do multiple things at one time is more, um, balanced on on different areas but again the two together when one's got a lot of direction and one's got a lot of intuition when they're working in harmony you really feel that you can go places and do things so um yeah that's certainly consistent with what i've heard society-wise culturally about what's masculine and what's feminine mm. um, it, it, i still don't identify with either one i mean i, I look that's inside true. and say does one feel like that's me does the other one feel like that's me well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, sure, but, I can you, 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 You've seen the yin yang symbol. Like, I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> you've seen the yin yang symbol, haven't you? I have, yeah. You've looked at it much, or? Well, I did a little reading on it. Not a whole lot. I have a general idea of, of what they were trying to say. It's kind of along this mm -hmm. line. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think what happened with me. Um, in terms of my self-exploration and, and in terms of exploring this from a cultural perspective is that I kind of burned out on the whole duality thing. The, the, the male, female, um, all the different dualities. That, that's just one kind. Master slave, um, master teacher, uh, or I'm sorry, master student, that kind of thing. Teacher student. Um, all the different dualities like that. I burned out on them because after a time, I began to realize that the boundaries between them are so heavily blurred by experience that they almost become meaningless. They almost become, I mean, I understand to an extent why people want to use them, but for me, maybe because I've never really formed myself in a clear picture, I am masculine or oh, I am feminine. I, it just, it, it's a distinction without a distinction for me. I don't know how else to describe that. <laughs> you, I, I, I've been through phases of my life where I have experienced a lot of femininity in myself and like crying and um, not necessarily femininity, but it's kind of what I would relate to the freedom to just be able to cry and be myself and just do that kind of emotional stuff. Um, and then I've also had, the real leader, get out there and go get him kind of macho time, kind of thing. And I've, I've played with both of those to, to quite a degree. And now I realize I can actually flip between either of them quite quickly and easily. So I can, I can kind of play with either. I can use either to my advantage is really what I'm saying at the moment. Yeah. And I've used those as well, not necessarily thinking of them as masculine or feminine, <clears throat> but rather just thinking about them as tools, different kinds of tools to use. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are times where I find it useful to get aggressive. I guess I'm being masculine when I do that. I, I just think about it as getting aggressive, you know, because from my perspective, women can be just as aggressive as men. So I, I don't really think of one as being masculine or feminine. It's just aggressive is just aggressive. I mean, it's not like the female line doesn't need to eat. You know, they go out, they aggressively get their food. That's just what they do. <laughs> no, 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 I like it. They, they got kill for the male and bring the food to them. <laughs> would you like this antelope? Would you like it over easy? How would you like this deer? <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> Uh, I love the way you guys say zebra, not zebra. Oh, of course. You know, that's, that's <laughs> the part of the charm of being, we, we, we go to American charm school. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, 
So, <clears throat> yeah, it's just really interesting. There's this, the concept which I mentioned to you probably a couple of podcasts ago of the amount of knowledge you know is about this size, the amount you know is infinite, the amount you don't know is infinite, uh, is really sinking in with me more and more and more to the degree that I'm starting to realize I really know really, really very, very little. And I know even less, <laughs> less and less as I see how broad that, what I don't know is. <laughs> it's just so infinitely broad that, uh, you know, selling what I know is, 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 is not important anymore. I don't need other people to buy it. You know, I will say it because it makes me happy. And I enjoy it, but not because I need anybody to believe me. And truly is very, very liberating. If people, people can get there, they'll become so resilient. It'll be unbelievable. That's true. And when you're describing that, it, it reminds me of something. Um, here in, in the U.S., uh, one of our iconic historical moments was in 1980 when our ice hockey team made up of college kids beat the Soviet Union ice hockey team in the Winter Olympics. It was, it was a overwhelming kind of moment at, at a time when we really needed one because we're, as a country, we were feeling pretty poor about ourselves. And to this day, it is called the miracle on ice here. To this day, the miracle on ice, all you have to do is say that to another American. They instantly know what you're talking about. And the meaning of it for almost every American, regardless of whether you like ice hockey. I mean, I'm not a big fan. My wife certainly isn't, but you know, for both of us, it would be a very meaningful uh, moment in time, it reminds us, it reminds me of the coach of that team. His name was Herb Brooks. He was uh, particularly masculine about wanting to pursue the Olympic medal because he was on the 1960 team that had beaten the Soviets. It was the last time the U.S. had ever beaten the Soviets in hockey, and then they uh -huh. had a run where they just won everything. And not only was he on the team, he was kicked off the team at the last second. Somebody else was swapped in his place. So he had this massive motivation to beat the Soviets. So that's what where he came into it. And he had this philosophy about how he coached his players, and he really drove them pretty hard. Uh, basically, he was trying to make all his players hate him so that they would coalesce and unify into a team. And <laughs> one of his favorite ways work. to do that, yeah, one, one of his favorite ways to do that was to um, come up with little phrases, what they called Brooksisms. That's what his players called them, Brooksisms. And one of his favorite Brooksisms was to say, um, you're, you're, pay, you're, you're playing even worse than you were yesterday, and tomorrow you're going to be playing even worse than you're playing today, and right now you're playing like it's next Thursday. You know, So he would just like tear you down that way. Well, if I take the same phrasing and apply it to what you said, it's along the lines yeah. of, well, I, I realized today that I knew less than I did yesterday, and right now I'm feeling like I know about as much as I do next month. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about when you were saying that. But there's truth to that. There's power in that. There, there's so much freedom to to get to that place where you really, really are happy to learn from anybody and anything and anywhere and any time and any experience. You know, you're open to the aliens teaching you. Abram Hicks is teaching you the, mm -hmm. the, um, it, it really, it, it doesn't matter where it comes from anymore. You now know that you're solid in being able to sift through it, see if it's of any value and then move on. Yes, that's true. And, and not only sift through it, what I find now is I've, I've gotten to the point where any new idea that comes my way, any new way of thinking about this stuff, particularly in, in an LOA type group, I'm reflexively, I don't, I don't even have to do it consciously anymore. Just my mind just kind of goes to, okay, how does that compare to what I know about what Abraham Hicks teaches? How does that compare to what I know about what Mike Dooley teaches? You know, my, my, my favorite teachers, what, what would they say about that? Mm -hmm. And it's an instantaneous calculation. I don't have to give mm -hmm. it any thought. I don't have to mm -hmm. consciously say, geez, I wonder what it is that Abraham Hicks. No, it's just like, bang, it's right there. And it's so what, what you're talking about is what I call ownership. Now okay. it's not Abram Hicks's teaching. It's not Dooley's teaching. It's now my belief structure. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And that is the powerful place to be. Oh, it really is. Because you now own it. You know, yeah. the, the, there was a Christian who was saying sex before marriage is bad. And he was saying, I can't explain it to you because he couldn't come up with anything real valid. But I, 
it, it's in my Bible. I said, well, if it's in your Bible and you're a Christian and you've studied it for many years, why can't you convince me or speak to me? He says, well, you know, it's words are better and all the rest. I said, okay, <clears throat> bring out the Bible. So it brings out the Bible and I have a look at it and I, I read through it. And um, I handed it back to him and I said to him, okay, I, I've read it. Um, it doesn't say anything about sex before marriage is bad in that section. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, what do you get out of it? So he reads it again. He comes back and he has nothing to say, you know, because I was pointing to the, to the idea that, you know, when I was younger with my girlfriend, I went to South Africa and I stayed at my parents' house and my, my dad knew we were having sex and I was not married. And he came and knocked on the door and he said, Louis, you know, it's a, it's a mortal sin because I'm a Catholic. And mm-hmm. Not because you know, I'm, I'm just giving the, the listeners a, a thing. And he was saying, you know, um, it, it's a mortal sin. And, you know, you're, I just wanted to advise you that it's really good to go to confession. I said, I said, thanks for telling me that, Dad. You know, and I appreciate your point of view and all the rest of it. But I'd be going to confession every day, and I don't think that's kind of going to work very well. <laughs> um, and I really, I, I don't believe at all that something so beautiful and incredible and sacred and lovely is bad. Mm. In the core of my being, I know it's right. Right. <laughs> and nothing any religion can tell me is going to convince me otherwise. Now, if they made the statement that there is great value in getting married and then bringing up a family um, because of many other ramifications and the security of, of the two parents and all the rest of it for the children, etc., and didn't say that it was evil and I would go to hell if I did it beforehand, then maybe I would take on board what they were saying. But you don't hit me with a stick and expect me to like I'm sorry. It just it doesn't work. Well. That's exactly what people do. They hit people with a stick, saying, "Well, if I hit you with a stick hard enough and often enough, you're going to change the way you think about things." Let them try. <laughs> well, that I mean, I, like I mentioned before, I I've been spending time in political groups. That's one thing political people love to do is to beat other people over the head with their sticks. Mm-hmm. And they figure if if the other person, if the other side is, isn't listening or isn't learning, it just means they aren't hitting them hard enough with a stick. So they have to hit them even harder with a stick. Now, they, they, it never now I've seen that specifically actually... with, 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 with one of the groups at the moment that are very big out there who really, if you do not agree with their point of view, they really hit you with a stick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely lynch you. It's true. And that philosophy is so flawed. Believe what I tell you to or you're wrong is just not the way it's got to be done. Well, that's one of the things I've been kind of messing with their minds on because I've been saying to them, essentially, what's your track record when it comes to getting results from beating people with a stick? Mm-hmm. No, I don't actually say it that baldly. I come at it in a way that they can handle. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and inevitably the answer is to just go back to, well, I beat him over the head with a stick. Yeah, but you didn't answer my question. And then you get into mm-hmm. a little bit of a circle there. Um, but it, it's a, it's, it's almost like, I think it's a form of addiction in a sense. I am so addicted to this is the way things have to be. And of course I have to be right. So therefore this is right. And so it just becomes mm-hmm. right. And it's a, it's literally a self-fulfilling prophecy that, creates horrible results. <laughs> but they seem to like it, so, you know, I, I don't dissuade them from liking it. I just simply like to kind of point out, well, you know, there is another way to look at this. And sometimes I get a good response out of it. That's always rewarding. You know, if I'm getting a good response, it's like, oh, somebody's listening. How nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. That's good. That's really good. The other thing that uh, you mentioned was religion and and. Um, Religious thinkers referring, particularly Christians, because we both have a Christian background, so obviously mm. that's what we run into more often. Um, and Christians in particular don't really know their Bibles as well as they think they do. And you kind of know the Muslims know them much better. Than well, Muslims know the Quran a whole lot, but they know the Quran, they know the Hadith, they know no, all of it. Yes, they, they know the Bible better than any Christian. They know the Bible better. It's true. They really do. No doubt about it. But the and that is the way they lynch them to a post. Oh, yeah. And crucify them again and again at that speaker's corner. Um, but then I had um, two friends. I had a Muslim and a Christian sitting there. Um, and, and they said to me, 
you're unbiased because you're not Christian or Muslim. Which one of the two religions would you choose? I said, that's a very good question. <laughs> I said, you know, I love Islam because it's really, you know, they, they train people intellectually and philosophically, which I'm very strong on from a young age. And they really get them into a strong place of understanding what they believe and what their teachings are very clearly. And I'm, I'm, I really appreciate that aspect. <clears throat> but the Christians have really big hearts and they teach you to turn the other cheek, etc. And I think I would err on the side of the heart side rather than, than the um than, than the intellectual side personally, that's what I would choose mm-hmm. if I had to choose between the two. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and uh the Christian said, you know, that's very, very well thought out. That's <laughs> very well thought out. <laughs> 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 he was quite impressed with that aspect, which I was like, okay. <clears throat> Him being the winner, of course. <laughs> of course, yes. Well, that's why he was so impressed by it. <laughs> One of my favorite um, things to do with somebody, because we, we'll um, we have all the different kinds of unusual Christian sects. We have the Jehovah's Witnesses. We've got the Seventh-day Adventists. We've got the, where, uh, where, the Mormons. Where are you talking about? In the U.S. They're all over the place. In the oh, US. in the all U.S. These, oh, that's yeah. what you were talking about. In the all, all of these, the, these uh, different sects. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses are my favorites because they're the ones who will go around door to door, you know, and, and, you know, find out if you've been saved and hand you the watch with the Watchtower magazine and all that stuff. And one of the things I'd like to do with them is to get them, if, assuming I'm willing to actually do it, sometimes I just don't have the time for it. But if I'm into it, um, I'll ask them, you know, what is it? You know, tell, tell me what the particular thing you're trying to sell is today. Okay, that's what you're trying to sell. What, what's your basis for that? Because I know there's a biblical basis for it. They'll tell me what it is. And then I'll ask them, okay, so that section of the Bible doesn't literally say what you're saying. So how do you know it's true? And they'll say, well, it's a metaphor or it's symbol, symbol, symbolic in some way. And I'll say, okay, what's this, what's it a symbol for? And then there's a pause. <laughs> and then there's a long pause. And then they'll kind of repeat what they originally said. I, and I say, okay, that's what you're originally saying. But I'm asking you specifically about this particular story that you're quoting, because it's usually a story or at least a very, very short story. <laughs> In the Bible. Okay. What is the metaphor of that story? What is that actually telling us? And how do we know that that's what's, what it's telling us? And yeah. then they'll go back to what their original storyline was. And I'll say, no, no, no. What's, what is this metaphor here? Tell me, explain this metaphor. Tell, treat it like a simile. A simile is where X means Y. So what's the X and what's the Y? And I get cross-eyed looks because they don't know the metaphor behind the story. All they know is the the conclusion they were taught to draw from it. They don't mm-hmm. actually, they, they can't actually connect the story to what it is they're trying to say. And so there's like this big gap in there and they, they get tripped up on it every single time. It's pretty wild to watch. Mm-hmm. It shows what kind of a flawed individual I am because I like to make them do that. <laughs> you are so brutal. Horrible. <laughs> I always like leaving those guys with, um, with, with a positive uh, comment and statement and all the rest of it. Um, because for me, it's particularly easy to tear almost anybody's beliefs down. And then I can also do completely the opposite, which I always do, is build them up again and then make them feel really good about it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe with a slightly different viewpoint on things. Ooh, oh, you're I'm, clever. If I'm, if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and, um, it, it's, um, it's important to me to, to, to kind of leave everybody feeling a little bit better. I wanted to ask you, Walt, how, 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 how is your sick cat? She probably saw me that I was uh, letting him out the door there. My sick cat is doing very, very well. He is energized. He is eating well. He is begging to oh, go outside, fantastic. even though we don't let him outside. We're not letting him outside anymore. But, uh, yeah, he just spent the last 45 minutes in my lap purring and getting petted and so forth. Oh, that forth. was him? Cool. That was him? Yep. He's doing very, very well. Yeah, so thanks for asking. And, and once again, thanks to everybody who helped send the energy to heal him. He, he ate it all up. He really did. <laughs> That's great because, you know, it really does work. It, really it does work. Oh, yeah. If you ask and you allow and people are happy to send, that, <clears throat> that symbiosis works very well. And it, it's really fascinating. I mean, on the one hand, we were – 
obviously emotionally caught up on it because we wanted him to heal. We wanted our old cat back. Um, but on the other hand, it was fascinating to kind of watch the same thing from a distance, which we really couldn't do because we we're so close to it. But we, I tried. I tried to look at it from a distance mm-hmm. as well. And it was fascinating to see how literally one day he could be near death. The next day, with our help, with the help of doctors, with the help of uh, all these people sending love and positive energy, he could be to the point where he was starting to eat. And then the next day, bam, it was like the old cat was back. It it was almost like, I don't know, a a dimensional shift or something where Mm -hmm. one cat got pulled out and the other cat got put in. (laughs) Just bang, just that quick. Which showed me, wow, this stuff really, not only does it work, it works fast if you let it, if you let it just in, just mm-hmm. if you just don't get in the way and just trust it and let it go and just say, well, you know, whatever it's going to be, is going to be, boy, does it work fast. Mm-hmm. And he demonstrated it. I mean, his, his recovery over the course mm-hmm. of three or four days was, it was every single day. There was like a major leap forward and I got to see so, it. So. Walt, when you start working more and more with energy, it happens over time. <clears throat> Non-physical vibrations. You you start seeing that it's incredibly powerful. <laughs> and you start wondering how you missed this all along the way and how society has really integrated into the pills tablet kind of scenario um, to such a huge degree that this <clears throat> natural healing vibrational method, which has been used probably almost since the first person arrived on this planet, mm-hmm. um, in, in some shape or form, before they knew about all these herbs and pills and tablets and potions, <clears throat> that's what they used. They, they, they used it, whatever they could. And, um, it doesn't take too much for somebody to stumble across the the <clears throat> energetic healing kind of world. I, I imagine, especially in the old, old, old days, um, many of them stumbled across and used it very effectively and helped many, many, many a person. Um, but now we have such a huge advantage. We have the intellect. We have the knowledge. We have the sharing abilities we have. Um, I mean, we're we're on a such a different level at the moment. We're the world is changing so rapidly, and we're we're far more. So in the old days, the the kings pretty much ruled everything. They were kings and queens. They they they. If you disagreed with them, you were dead, and if you agreed with them, you kind of lived on in sufferance or. Or maybe you were fully in agreement with them and that was all okay. But slowly but surely that has been devolved. You know, the one guy was saying to me that one philosopher was saying that if you don't take a strong and clear political stand, then you will be controlled by politics. And I said to him, that's not really how it is. Because if you look in the old days of the kings, they had a strong political opinion which mm-hmm. was theirs autocratic and it was obeyed completely right. now it's a huge mixture of left and right having this huge hodgepodge of a thing going on and the rest of us can just get on with our stuff while they have this big big bang that's going on where they're equalizing each other out there's not one autocratic ruler telling you what to do anymore and you've got this big fight going on and many of us are ignoring the whole political scenario and, and just living our lives and having fun and enjoying things and going about doing whatever we want to. Well, that big thing for a lot of people, it's a big issue. No. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and it's, it's this huge fight. And, and then there's many of us that are just going and just saying, great, they are fighting. So we can carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and when I said this to the guy, he was like, Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I hadn't heard of that one before, and, he, and I think he kind of dismissed it as some ramblings of some guy who thinks he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, it's funny how we can have different uh, perceptions and different ways of, of thinking about something like that that's presented. I love what you presented. I think it's it's a great story. Um, 
the way I was thinking about it was a little bit different is that when he made his statement, and I don't remember the exact wording, he, he phrased it in terms of you. If you do this or if you don't do this, that will happen, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And it occurred to me all he had to do was replace the pronoun you with the pronoun I, and he had it. <laughs> exactly. In his own world. Yeah. It's in his yeah. own world. Yeah. That's exactly what goes on in his world. <laughs> and and that is a very important point, Walt, is um is I was speaking to this Christian at the end and he was saying to me um that he's very strong in his belief and this is right and and I said, That's great, I really love that. I'm 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 so happy that you really believe in it. But where I'm starts getting fuzzy is when you want me to believe. <laughs> and he kind of wanted to say, no, I can let you believe what you wanted to. But then on the other hand, he, he had to say, mm. that, no, no, yeah, you really have to follow what I say. But then I said, what about the guy on Beetlejuice? I love going back to the Chocolate's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> <laughs> on planet Beetlejuice where, <laughs> where they've never heard Christianity. <laughs> Well, it's worse for you because you have heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's doesn't really funny. answer the question, but <laughs> it's very amusing. <laughs> You've just proven that uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy of books is actually very practical to use it's in very practical. daily conversation. <laughs> oh, that is uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, because what you were basically doing is challenging the length and breadth and, and height of his bubble, his universe. Mm -hmm. And I, I, was, I was just pointing out a basic, a basic fact. Nobody likes being told what to do. Well, that too, yeah. And nobody else wants to, likes, wants to be told what to believe. <laughs> it's a funny thing, though. The reason I mentioned the, the width and length and height of that bubble is... The, the whole concept of a bubble, that's something that has actually been kind of in vogue here in LOA circles. We've talked about it quite a bit here on the show. Um, and it's a useful concept because it's, it's really a great way to kind of get a sense of how all this stuff works, how it affects our own lives and how we touch other people's lives and so forth. But it also provides a really great... I don't, I don't understand this bubble story and maybe some of our listeners don't either. Oh, well, just the idea that we all live in our own bubbles. Um, oh, okay. Our, our right. bubbles are reality. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, yes. Worlds that we create for ourselves and, and so on and so forth. And, and my bubble touches your bubble and then we can communicate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's a useful way of framing stuff. Um, what is interesting though, when you run into somebody like him, somebody who basically wants you to think like he does mm -hmm. is he's now finding out what happens when he doesn't hold the model of the bubble clearly in his mind because he mm -hmm. starts blurring that boundary of the bubble. And he starts blurring it to the point where your area of your bubble is now part of his bubble. He's basically pulling your bubble into his bubble as mm -hmm. if he has a right to your bubble, as if your bubble belongs to him rather than to you. Mm -hmm. And that's really what your point was that, you know, he's not really respecting who you are. He's just trying to make you like him. That's mm -hmm. it. Everybody has to be like me. Yeah. He, he was getting rather forceful. So I said, I said, and I'm very clear about this, I said, that's a whole lot of BS. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't flinch at it at all, you know, because the guys that go to Speaker's Corner, and I had to admire this about him, they are used to handling um, a lot of objections and, sure. and, 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 and all the rest of it. And to me, that was very admirable, um, that, that he literally didn't even blink an eyelid to that. <laughs> He realized that he couldn't continue in that line of chat with me, but um, he didn't, it didn't bother him at all. And I, I really, I respect that because that is resilience. And, and that's what I want to see more with, with, with everybody around me. Because at the moment there was a, uh, a WhatsApp message in one of my daughter's groups that the guy was really abusing another individual verbally into a social media. <clears throat> And, uh, I, I, and the parents got all apathy about it. I mean, bullying is just unacceptable on every level. And they were going really very, um, 
concerned, aggravated, frustrated, um, mm-hmm. buttons pushed, etc. And all I did was I sent up that one video, which I think I've sent you about bullying, a YouTube video. Is that, is that guy how I got all these st- bullying things on my channel? I knew that I got a whole bunch of these bullying videos and I didn't know where they came from. So thank you. And now I understand where. <laughs> no, I only sent you one and it's only that one. It's a very, so it only very, takes very one because I play yours and the Facebook says, oh, you want right. more of those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that what you're talking about? That has to be um, Yeah, Google's very good at knowing what you want at once. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, but it, it's such a brilliant video and I've got some great comments. Oh, that makes sense. This is good. You know. And I really like that because it just really explains that all it is, it's a power game. Mm. Bullying is all about, you know, the reason why children get abused is simply because somebody's stronger than somebody else. Yeah. Well, more than that. It's, it's a power game. It's it a power really game. Is. Yeah. That's what it is. And a, and a power game just means you're stronger than them. But you, you, you're not going to abuse that kid if they're bigger and stronger than you, are they? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, no, you, no, might no, no. <laughs> you might try. You might try. <laughs> get a bloody nose like out of it, get you know. Smashed. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it really is. Um, you know, the male's been stronger than the female. There's been a lot of abuse on all different areas. I mean, hey, in this day and age, it's often the other way around as well. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and and it really boils down to the level of resilience the individual has. Yeah, that's important. I would yeah. love to see somebody try and bully me. <laughs> it would just be great fun. <laughs> this is why I'm glad that we actually limited to discussion because then I can, after the conversation, and we're done for the day, I can go kind of rebalance my vibrations so I don't get any of that stuff that you're trying to attract. <laughs> uh. You need to become more resilient, folks. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I do it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's great fun because you, you start watching people like my daughters. They, they really are resilient. And mm. because they are so confident, they, they, they are in a position to express more love and compassion. Yes, I agree with that completely. Yeah. And, and, and it is very much a whole thing that turns around where you, you're, you're in a position to really respect people where they are not trying to invade your space and all the rest of it. You, you're able to protect yourself when, when needed and you're able to really help people when they need it. Um, and the interesting thing about myself as I've learned over the years is I'm good at helping people philosophically. Yeah. I'm not the guy you want to come to when somebody's been really, really terrible to you and you're crying and all the rest of it. You don't come to me. I'm not the guy you come to when that happens. <laughs> all right. I might be actually very, slightly good at it because I'll probably just keep quiet. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, um, but there are other people that are so good at that on this planet world. They are. They're very, very good at helping other people when they're down. Oh, yeah. But then you get different people that are good at helping people when they're up and they want to go higher. And that's and a big deal. Different, and you get different people at different stages and you've got to realize when, because there's a lot of teachers who may be listening to this, you've got to realize as a teacher where you are and what audience will fit your vibration. And as you become more aware of that, you start working in a very different way with people. Um, I, I often would say to somebody who comes to me wanting to cry on my shoulder, I say, well, you know, my wife is very good at that. Well, my daughter, my daughter, <laughs> Isabel is particularly good with that. You know, there are, there are other people that are better than me at that moment in time. Um, you know, if I'm the only person around, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not bad at it, you know, um, but it's, it's just that that's not really where I want to teach. So consequently, it doesn't happen to me. Nobody comes to me crying in the shoulder. I mean, I can't remember when anybody ever did that <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> Just, I don't have that vibration, but there, there are people that are so good at it, and you know, I have to admire them because it's not me. Well, that's and one of the, there, one there of is duties. a place. There's a place for all different kind of people. Absolutely, people yeah. Really help people who who need food, and I would say I'd rather teach you how to go fishing rather than give you food. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Philosophy concept. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let, let me let me teach you how to manifest. Let me teach you the law of attraction. Well, that's essentially the, the foundation that I'm using to 
appreciate that which I don't like. But if the person's like, died of starvation, there's no room to get philosophy. <laughs> you know, so, so there is a place for everybody. You know, and there is a place for. But but this is literally the the overall approach. I mean, I think of it a little bit differently, different wordings. But this is the overall approach that I'm taking to appreciating that which I don't like. Because that's, that's really the ultimate skill. You, you don't have to like it, but if you can learn to appreciate it, then you are going a long way toward maintaining that high level of vibration that really does. Absolutely essential piece of philosophy. Yeah, it's absolutely essential. If, if you respect negativity, respect um, the expansion process. And I was spending a lot of time talking to this individual in, in, in the park in connection with that precise point, you know, is it negative? Is it evil? Or is it just an expansion point? And it was really challenging for me to start getting that idea across. First of all, it was a new idea. Oh, Second yeah. of all, it, it had to take some belief in it, you know. Okay. And then you start explaining that belief is just a thought you think often. And that concept took quite a while to get across. <laughs> and I was surprised because, um, first of all, the individual could take it on board. Uh, second of all, the individual struggled with it and let me know. And third of all, they allowed me to help them uh, try to get some kind of grasp on it, um, even though they were still not fully convinced at the end of it. So it, it was really interesting. Uh, most people I come across, I don't know if they're just glibly saying that they fully understand that, but this individual was quite open enough to, to, to play, play with the whole um, – uh, idea, and uh, I really respected that, the, the idea that they could sit there and, and look at it from different angles and new perspectives and, and all the rest of it, because a lot of people can't. Or they just haven't learned how to yet. Not that they can't, it's just they... Sorry, can't at that moment in time, so yes, yeah. completely yeah. accurate, yeah, a more accurate statement, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they can't ever, no, not can't at that stage. Yeah. They're not ready, that's all. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, they'll be ready when they're ready. And I don't know when that'll be, but it's not to me. And it's, it's got to nothing to do with us. <laughs> not nothing really, to do with no. us at all. And they may never be ready for that information, which is perfect in this lifetime. So, and, and that brings us to the end of the episode, because since I can't really help them any further, I have to just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been fun as usual. So thank you once again. A very philosophical one. Yep. A very philosophical, yes. We'll have to, call, I'll have to put the word philosophy into the title because it fits. I'm just not quite sure what the title is going to be yet. But thank you very much. Thank you, live streamers. Thank you especially to our podcast listeners. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.